Good afternoon and uh, welcome to the Wall Street Bulls and Beers podcast. We're joined today by Daniel Cotter. Dan is an experienced attorney who has served in a variety of legal roles in his career, including a general, including as general counsel of a large life insurance company, extensive experience in private practice. Dan's mix of in clients includes insurance companies and other financial institutions, IT and consulting companies and nonprofits. He has been working on privacy and cybersecurity issues since 1996, including the development of terms and conditions and disclaimers on Fortune 500 websites in the late 1990s. He has been chief privacy officer of several companies and law firms and has an extensive experience as in-house counsel. He deals with complex insurance regulatory issues and transactions and substantial reorganizations of holding companies. He has negotiated thousands of contracts from simple to complex. He is also an author of The Chief Justices, The 17 Men at the Center Seat, Their Courts and Their Times, and writes a weekly column for Chicago Daily Law Bulletin focusing on the SCOTUS, rule of law, and the future of the Republic, including fake news. He joins us today to talk about fake news, AI, cybersecurity, you name it. So welcome, Dan. Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be here and look forward to our conversation today. Thank you so much. Is there such a thing as a legal framework to curtail fake news? Fake news isn't new, but technology has amplified it. And now it's hard for me even to tell what's what's real, what's not, and some of it just borders on much more than ridiculous, but very dangerous. So what can be done to curtail this? What steps can be taken to not infringe on free speech, but to help separate facts from this utter garbage that we see? And it is utter garbage, and it's getting worse, like you said. I think, as you said, fake news is not something that's new. If, if you read some of the political campaigns in, in the United States going back to the late 1700s, early 1800s, a lot of scurrilous, libelous types of, of information. But, but as we're talking about and preparing for this, the, the news out there is just astounding. So I saw a report last week that last year in 2022, 47% of all internet traffic came from bots. And just, just let that sink in. So these are not human beings, but they're either farms of misinformation or other things. We've we've seen the elections in 2020. So let's take a step back. You had asked about whether there's a framework, a legal framework, and, and, they, and the short answer is no, right? You, you've got free speech. And, and what I always tell people is, is that if, if you look at the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment is probably the, the most clear in terms of what the federal government can do, at least theoretically, right? It says Congress shall make no law that abridges the freedom of speech and all the other the six rights in the First Amendment, including religion and all that stuff. But the challenge has always been is that there are time, place and manner and other restrictions, right? You can't the 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 best case is the reference by Oliver Wendell Holmes in the early 1900s. You can't yell fire in a crowded movie theater, right, because you don't want people to panic and leave. You can't 
necessarily protest in public without getting permits and things like that. So there's really no, there's, there's not a really good framework. And, and I go back to a couple of years ago, my undergraduate, the, the communications and government affairs people uh, visited a public relations uh, firm in, in Chicago. And, and the vice president there, the number two person at the, at, the, at the company, he was the AP editor for the Chicago Tribune for a long time and had nine people down in Springfield, Illinois and other places. And what he told these students was, I've never forgotten it. He said, you know, back in the day, all the news and media, we had long-term kind of timelines. You look at the movie like Moonlight or, or some of those other, or Spotlight, Spotlight, or you look at Deep Throat, you look at those types of things where stories played out, people had time. He said, now facts don't matter. What matters is getting to the market, right? And it doesn't matter who does it, who's publishing it whether it's fake or not. As we talked about before, this started as well. My, my father-in-law and I went to, to lunch with my wife yesterday to celebrate Mother's Day. And he was, he was relaying a story to me because he knows I do some of this uh, stuff. And he talked about this. He'd seen a news report, I think it was, about ChatGPT made up references. And so this morning I looked and, and sure enough, it's, it's from The Guardian. And it, and it talks about this, this author was approached and they said, hey, this is a great article by you. He said the title didn't make any sense, but it's the topics he would have written about. And what happened was this AI, the chat GPT, it, it made up out of whole cloth references. So I referred to various articles and they had like a bibliography at the end of it. There were three or four articles. None of them existed. They were just made up. And, and so the artificial intelligence, talk about fake news, this is fake bot news, right? It's, it's artificial intelligence. And it really blows my mind because, like you said, it's how do you distinguish in this? We have more information at our fingertips on every phone in the world than we had the entire history of time, right? There's no library that has this information. And, and how you, you decipher that is, is very difficult. And then top that off with one of the things that's becoming a bigger concern and issue is you see that you can manipulate videos, right? And so language. And so there's a lot of this stuff coming out now. President Obama or President Trump or President, you know, whatever it is, right? Or a politician. And it looks like they said it, right? Because it's all just uh, kind of used in technology. I, be, be, between you and me and all listeners, I really fret for the future of truth because I don't know how you how you go about deciphering that. And, what, and you know, if, 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 if ChatGPT is making up articles, and they look legit. How would you and I know if I went out and looked in, in, in up a topic, and, and and one of the hits, the top hits, is an article that looks like it's a true article, but it's fake. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling how we're going to get through this. It is mind-boggling, actually. I we posted a research article on AI, and after it was posted, we read who was considered the godfather of AI. He quit. Google, and then said, oh, this AI stuff is so dangerous. It, it was really wild, like, you know, but I guess too late. It's, you know, out of the gate, so we've got to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, and it's, again, and, and the mind-blowing fact, like I said, 2022, almost half of all internet traffic was from bots. I mean, again, I don't know, I don't know how we, you know, and one of the things I think is, is, is key, you know, is, is I think in most places, you know, the, these bots and, and, and you know, the, we talk about Russian influence in the U.S. Of, of politics and stuff. But 
you know, a, a lot of it's homegrown, right? And it just exacerbates kind of the the divide and mix and, and puts people in camps, right? Because that whatever they're looking at, whether it's fake or not, it, it, they kind of buy into it, right? It's almost cultish, right? Okay, this is my position and here's some stuff that supports it. And for all we know, it's a bot or, or just fake is all get out. And, and again, you know, I, I experienced this a little bit when I was writing my book, the, the Chief Justice, as you mentioned. I found about one of the Chief Justices from the early times, guy who had written a biography and it was referred to as a biography. And it had some stuff in there that I just thought, this is hogwash, right? This can't be fact. And then I, I dug a little bit deeper and he was he was kind of romanticizing the guy. And, and it, again, made up some stuff in the biography. And so, you know, I looked at it and then I, I didn't use it in the book and, and because I wasn't able to verify it and it didn't, it, it just, it, it, it didn't pass the kind of the smell test. But again, like you said, it's been out there a long time, but I think now we're just in a whole different ballgame because of AI, because of the internet, because of all the, the social media tools that we have available to us. Beyond truth, I guess, from an education standpoint, I mean, that's a whole different ballgame. I imagine medical science, all that uh, uh, stuff, people reading stuff that seems to be legitimate, and it's just utter garbage. Like, I mean, are there any current initiatives that can be more effective than another? Granted, there isn't a legal framework, but what can be done to, say, push back or label or limit or, you know, somehow within the confines of the law to deal with some of the stuff? You know, I, I mean, I, I think at one point, you know, a couple of years ago, some of the social media platforms were trying to do that and ferret it out. And we saw Twitter, you know, change hands now and a lot of questions about, you know, what's going on with, with the leadership there and kind of whether they're, you know, I saw last week, for example, Tur Turkish elections, I think it was, and they they banned certain postings, you know, of opposition. And so real questions exist there. You know, I, I go back to, to the thing that, you know, one, one thing, and I think it's it's the genie's left the bottle on this too, but I think is important is is that, you know, some, some of the well-established, whether it's the Washington Examiner, if you're conservative, or Wall Street Journal, or Washington Post, New York Times, or some of these papers and some of the, you know, the, the Forbes of the world and some of those, you know, I think that we've 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 kind of gone overboard, and and people are all like everything's fake news, and like you know, do 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 the papers and 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 broadcasting do they make mistakes? I think they do, but you know, it, it's always been that way, right? You know, first page would be a headline, and then two days later on the eighth page, you know, of the sports correction. section, something yeah. a correction. But but I I think that somehow we need to reestablish that. You know, the 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 people that are journalists. I know people in Chicago and in other jurisdictions that are journalists, they all go by a code of ethics and principles, right? And they've got that. So I think we need to get back to that. But I think, again, how do you do that, right? With all this fake stuff out there, with all the challenges with social media, anybody can be an expert. And that's, again, you know, I think on social media, on the internet, anybody can start a blog, anybody can start a Substack, anybody can start a newsletter. But I think we need to get back to some of those common principles and say, you know, you can't throw out the, the, the baby with the bathwater, right? The, the old saying. And I think that's what's happened here is in 2020s, we, we've kind of said, you know, it's all garbage, right? And you hear that all the time, right? Like, you know, everybody's biased and there's no good news. 
and, and there's some of that, but I, I think we need to, 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 to revisit that. I also think that we need to, to take a look at these 24-7 news stations, CNN, Fox, and MSNBC, and really make it clear that those are, are in the entertainment business. They're, they're looking for provocative angles and, and talking heads and write the debates because that's what gets commercials. That's what gets viewers. That turns into money for them, right? So, Do you think uh, something like that, instead of labeling things as news, but as entertainment or as, you know, disclaimer with the stuff, wouldn't that help? Because people just listen to, to things and believe it's, it's facts, right? Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe it's information or something, right? It's not information. It's not news. Because, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the problem is, is that everything's labeled as news. And, and again, there's a lot of, you, you see kind of these uh, charts and continuums from the way left to the way right. And there's all kinds of these newsletters and daily reposts and all this stuff, right? And like you said, I, I don't know, I, you know, I, I, I think that labeling stuff as news channels, if you do watch, it's not really news, right? It's, you know, there's five minutes of news at the top of the hour or bottom or maybe. And then there's 17 minutes before commercials of talking heads kind of angling and and again, trying to be get the people in their cult to to be on the same page, right? And like you said, it's labeled as news, and it's not it's not news. And again, I don't know. There's probably not enough fact checkers and, and enough people to constantly be saying, no, that's not really what's going on. So I, yeah, I, you know, sadly, there's no, you know, for, for, from the lawyer's perspective, we like rules, we like kind of you know boxes and frameworks and you know ways to be able to advise. And in this this arena, I'm not sure that anything fits nicely into kind of that compartmentalized, this is how we fix the issue. What's, what's scary about that? Well, also to hear it from a lawyer, that's, uh, you know, really discouraging, I guess, like, you know, that there's not much that can be done. But for, for someone like myself, I'm just thinking, so it's not illegal to lie. So you can go on TV and lie. So like, you know, apparently, but the minute, like they go those, news labeled uh, news organizations they say the truth completely a polar opposite to what their news station said and surely there's got to be something around like you know that i don't know like you know it's it is frustrating yeah you know and and there's a book that that that's out there's a, it's a group of essays it's called myth america that's edited by a couple of folks and i just i just finished kind of looking at it and you know, it, it points back to there, there was the uh, fairness doctrine that used to exist. And then that was uh, during the, the Reagan administration that was kind of removed. You know, and again, I, I, don't, I don't know how you get the how you get it back to a point that it, it makes sense. And again, you see you saw the Fox News Dominion thing, you know, where, you know, they didn't admit any fault, but they did say that they had made some misstatements, you know, with respect to it. And the, the, the chatter behind didn't really buy it. So to your point. And, and it's it's every channel and and again it, it seems there's got to be some remedy but i'm you know the, given free speech and given opinions and given it's you know all all kind of masked as like political views right it's it's troubling to figure out exactly how again can this be fixed you know as ai proliferates and gets smarter you know potentially again i don't i, I don't know how we how, how we fare through the the haystack for the needle. Wow. Well, AI seems to be getting not really smarter, like, you know, better at compiling information, but it's making 
humans dumber. You know, like, you know, uh, it's just, uh, you know, so unfortunate, the complete opposite of what we would have wanted. Switching gears a little bit uh, to yeah. what other stuff that you've done, what's the number one thing you wish people, all lay people knew from a legal standpoint and why? You know, one of, one of the things that, that uh, I always advise my clients, and I spend a lot of time in-house at big companies, as you mentioned in my introduction, and I deal with a lot of startups, but a lot of big companies as well. You know, the, the one thing I think I think everybody I wish would know is like with medical or other things, you know, people, you know, I, I go out to WebMD constantly and, you know, everything I could be either scared or think that I know what, what I'm diagnosing, right? You know, my shoulder hurts. So I think it's, you know, broken collarbone or it's, you know, the, the spread of, of tumors or whatever, right? And, and it's the same with law. You know, one of the things that I always tell people is, is don't be penny wise. And, and what I mean by that is, is, is so many startups and, and I run into this all the time, you know, legals, like everything else, like medical, like plumbing, like electricians out of your house, we're not the cheapest, you know, resource. But if you spent an hour's worth of my time up front looking at contracts, looking at uh, decisions to buy real estate, looking at a will, whatever it is, right? The the amount of savings you would have on the back end to me is multiples, right? Because what what I see often happens is I get stuff that's already been signed by, by my clients and they say, you know, I don't want to bother with legal. I don't want to spend the money and uh, now take a look at this. And, and, you know, sometimes it's, the terms are terrible, right? They can't get out of it. There's huge exit fees or it's just the onus and, and the responsibility is crazy, right? You know, and so that's one thing I wish people would, would, would understand is, is that, and number two is, is that again, like medical, like almost anything, you know, just like with the fake news we spent, you know, the, the 20 minutes on and, and AI there's a lot of information out there, a lot of contracts, a lot of things, but you know, it's it's it, it would be like me trying to fix a car, having no idea, and just having a full toolbox. You know, my son used to build bikes in the garage. He's got all kinds of wrenches and stuff, but I I don't know if the one wrench is right or or if I need to use a hammer, right? And and so it's the same with law. You know, be careful, you know, what you're looking at and what you're using. And if you're using something, make sure that it's the right thing for the right circumstance. That makes mm -hmm. sense. That's uh, great advice. What's the most uh, common legal issue you run into in your practice? So you just gave some general advice about using a lawyer. So it could be whether it's insurance or financial institutions or, you know, even venture capital, whoever comes to you, what's the, what's the most common legal issue that you encounter and how would you advise our listeners to avoid that? It depends on the circumstances, but one thing that, that, that we run into often, both in investments, M&A, contracts, employment, is independent contractor versus employee and how you compensate someone. You know, one of the things that happens and it happened in Silicon Valley back in the day a lot of companies want to classify people as independent contractors because of the savings of cost, right? When venture capital comes in, they often look at that. And, and, and a lot of times too, it's the pay. You know, a lot of companies are sweat equity only. They give out some shares and, you know, the Department of Labor, U.S. government and, and the IRS takes a look at that and says, you know what, in most cases, you know, there's not uh, for every Microsoft or Groupon or Twitter, there's, you know, 
gazillion companies where the the shares you know are, are wallpaper at best, right? They're not worth anything, and so with with the Thirteenth Amendment and the in the United States Constitution, right? You know, it, uh, slavery and indentured servitude, uh, uh, you can't you got to pay at least minimum wages. So so a lot of stuff comes up in that 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 arena, and, and you know that the other thing that you mentioned and, and that that I do a fair amount of is privacy and cyber. I think more and more. That comes up in almost every transaction of of any kind, uh, and the reason for that is is whether someone's getting cyber insurance. And again, on transactions, you talk about venture capital and stuff. They're going to want to make sure that you know if they're buying somebody or investing in it that they have adequate cyber insurance in place, that they've got good privacy protocols and procedures. And and it's ever changing. We we now have seven states that have a comprehensive privacy legislation that's been passed in the last few years. California was the first. Uh, Indiana is the most recent, and then Montana and Tennessee. Tennessee just signed one. Montana is about to. Are those issues and and trying to you know keep track and figure out how you can can be out again in this internet and social media and all this stuff without running afoul of of those laws? No, very good. What what about intellectual property? Like, do you run into that and issues around that a lot? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of, this, yeah, a lot of again, venture capitals looking at that. You know, the, the the way that it's accounted for on balance sheets, right, is just research and development costs. So that oftentimes that's not a big part of the balance sheet, but in transactions and investments, they're, they're, they're really looking at the intellectual property, looking at patents, looking at, and there's a lot of challenges, right? Especially in the patent world, you know, I don't know that anybody's ever had a patent that wasn't challenged in some, some way. Or form right, just because if you add on things, you can get a patent for for the improvements and and a lot of fights about whether something's specific enough. We get trademark uh, cease and desist. You know, folks folks oftentimes uh, use logos from sports teams, or they use logos from you know, say Disney or something, and or or, or peanuts, you know, whatever it is, right and those companies aggressively and those organizations aggressively pursue. And so we get into that as well sometimes. And so another area where it's very important to, to really understand that. What if you wake up tomorrow and you see a whole bunch of articles published by Daniel Cutter that you had nothing to do with? Who do you sue? A bot? Like what? Well, what right. Do you how do you, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't know how you track that down. I mean, it's uh, again, some, some, some of the technology stuff, I think we're, you know we're in a new frontier, and it's you 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 think about again the 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 chat GBT that made those up. You hear stories about you know the artificial intelligence doing deals together and some kind of uh, detection of laughing or some kind of emotions. It's you know, but the the, the thing that you know, and, and there's always threats. You know, the legal profession. There's always there's new articles every day about whether chat GPT and artificial intelligence is going to be the end of lawyers. What I always tell people is that, you know, if, if you're studying now, if you if you if you're new to the professions, even if if you're someone like me, to to try to learn some of these things because when you think about it, artificial intelligence is all based on programming, right? It's it's programming, and and you know, if you're an architect, then you know, architects should be doing the programming to make the artificial intelligence smarter, quote unquote, right? It's not really right. It's not getting smarter, right? Like you said, it's getting more developed or whatever it has more things but it's you know because of the guidelines because of the way it's programmed 
it's going to be like Westworld type of thing, right? Where these the robots are, you know, starting to become independent like this and making up articles and stuff. It's, but but I, you know, I I think that whatever your profession is, whether whether you're a lawyer, a Wall Street investor, a venture capitalist, the 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 best way to again understand it is to play with it and to figure out how you can make it so it's better and more, you know, more akin to what what the profession actually does. Yeah. In my opinion, it would be very difficult for, you know, ChatGPT or any similar program or algo to replicate what a lawyer does. Sure, it might get uh, stuff that you can Google and find, but with deals that require deep understanding, experience, that sort of, there's no way, you know, like uh, that uh, they can do that. So I don't think it's going to eliminate the need for lawyers. I think, uh, though, content writing, some of that stuff for sure. You know, like uh, where, you know, guaranteed some jobs will be replaced, but no disrespect, you know, intended to content writers or anything like that. But I think those type jobs might be, you know, eliminated. A regulatory uh, attorney, you know, some of our listeners, of course, some of them would be savvy, but who might need a regulatory attorney in your world? Sure. So, so my regulatory piece, the, the main focus has been where I spent a, a long time in houses in the insurance arena. But if, if you're in any industry, whether it's power or utilities, airplanes, investments, you know, FINRA, banking, insurance, there, there's a lot of regulatory overlay. And so almost, almost any listener to, to this podcast probably has some aspect, depending on what they do, if they're, if they're an investor. Like I said, if they're a broker dealer, if they're private equity, there, there may be some, you know, SEC overlays and stuff. There, there, you know, a lot of regulations exist uh, at the state, federal, local levels, and like I said, utilities, uh, insurance for sure. Just a lot of heavily regulated industries that that are out there. Thank you so much. And what are your thoughts on the writers' guild strike? When do you think that'll be resolved? Do you have any idea what the outcome will be? I mean, just from... Yeah, you know, I, th- I think, you know, my understanding of it and, and not, a, not a complete expert on it, but my understanding is that with all these streaming services that they, they've been really focused on, on paying for the talent that's, you know, on film and whether it's, you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime or any of these things, I think that's been uh, at the heart of this. You know, I, I, I hope it gets resolved quickly. I think that... Uh, you know, the, the the challenge will be is how do you balance that? And I think what the Writers Guild, their, their complaint is, is that no money is being spent on the actual show itself. And, and you know, I don't watch it, but Ted Lasso, some of my friends watch it. Is that the name of it, Ted Lasso? And they said that the, the last season was not very good. You know, they're questioning that. I'm a big Mandalorian fan, but the last season was kind of not, you know, kind of uh, it didn't seem like the scripts were that good. So those might be microcosms, but hopefully, you know, they can figure this out and get back to, you know, and again, you said that, you know, you don't think that, that, you know, bots or, or algos or other things would, would be the solution for a lot of things. I think the same with, with, with kind of, you know, drama and comedy and stuff. I don't know that some, some chat GPT can put together a script that, you know, it'd probably be good for, you know, if you're an eighth grade, you know, producer right you had to do a story about something but probably not going to be up to the snuff of what what we expect from you know good you know good non 
you know, good, good scripted acting and, and, and production. So, and, and it, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, I, I, I've been reading a lot about uh, Disney and, you know, they're kind of revisiting, I think the, the, like Marvel and, you know, all the multiple and marketing and stuff. So you, I, th I think, again, I think COVID probably like a lot of things probably has had a major impact on this as well, just because not as many people in the seats probably, you know, and so, so yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a challenge and, you know, I hope it ends well and, and that we get back to, to having those folks back soon. No, thank you so much. I'm going to ask you a couple things. I'm going to ask you what good book you're reading that you'd recommend sure. to our listeners, but I'd also like you to talk about uh, your book, you know, the chief justice, the 17 men sure. at the, you know, center. Tell, tell us a bit about that perhaps first. And, sure. um, you know, also tell our listeners where they can find you, how to reach you. Sure. So you can, you can find me at uh, howardandhoward.com. So that's easy. That's my law firm website. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. I'm active on LinkedIn. I write frequently. I do a podcast. My book was when I was in law school and, and, and since, you know, I, I started to get biographies from family and friends for birthdays and stuff. And one of the things that, like most professional training or most educational things, you just kind of go from thing to thing, right? You don't ever really get in the context or in, in law. You might read a case from 1990, and then the next case in the book is 1936. And so you're just no context or anything. And so that kind of intrigued me. And so I started to do research, and then I taught a class, and then kind of the, the book came from that. And it, it it's only men. People ask me why it's only men, and that because in the U.S. Supreme Court, chief justices have all been men. There's only been six females on the court in its history. Six or five? I'm trying to think. Right now, there's four on the court, so six, six total. And you know, when, when Chief Justice John Roberts retires, uh, you know, down the line, we'll see we'll see who's president and what what becomes of that. But that's that book. You asked about what I'm reading right now. I, I mentioned I, I just finished Myth America. I'm reading another book. It's called Foolproof. I think it's the name of it. I just started it. Just got it from the library uh, Saturday. And again, it's about misinformation and, and lies and kind of the stuff we talked about for the first part of the show. And I look forward to reading that. And then I'm reading a book of fiction right now. Uh, it's by a guy named by, by the name of Don Winslow. And uh, it's the second part of a, of a trilogy. It's about police and, and the police force. Uh, he's he's written some excellent books. He wrote about the drug cartels and uh, kind of a, a saga that that ended uh, in, in the 2000s. And he's a really good writer and really good uh, kind of a gritty uh, fiction, you know, a, a crime police and, and drug cartels on the streets. And, and, and that's very good. I think what else I've got? I just I just finished a book by uh, Herman Melville that I never read before. It's called Bartleby the Scrivener. And uh it's a very, very short book. Melville doesn't, I don't think, wrote very long books. It's about a, a copyist back in the 1800s. They, you know, used to make copies of, of legal documents. And he is just a, a strange character. He tells he tells the lawyer that he prefer not to, to, to do readings of his copies. And then he won't do copy work anymore. And, and then he just kind of becomes a squatter in the, in, the, in, in the office. The guy moves and he's still there. So somebody on LinkedIn had written about it. I'd never heard of it, and kind of a it's it's a bizarre book. I mean, honestly, but, uh, <laughs> and 
that the guy ends up in jail. So those are some things I'm reading. I, I tend to read about three, four different books at the same time, kind of try to get through them. And so those, those are a couple of things I'm reading right now. Thank you so much, Dan. It's been fascinating speaking with you. Thank you so much. I got a little more optimistic towards the end. Uh, the, the first part was tough. I'll admit that. It's pretty yeah. depressing navigating this, but hopefully something enough must, there's got to be a breaking point where a lot of the, the folks are spreading what they know to be lies. It's one thing if you repeat something that you, you, you believe and you uh, think it's true and it really, really isn't. But it's another right. thing if you deliberately spread, spreading disinformation and misinformation that has perhaps national security implications or other stuff. It's not a joke or, or a medical stuff. So it's no laughing matter. But thank you so much for spending time with us. I'm going to check out some of those books and I'll stay in touch. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me.